My name is Michael Adams. Today on the podcast, we have myself, John Rahimi, and David McCormick. Boys, how's it going? Greetings. Fantastic. I didn't actually answer your question. I just said hello. I'm yeah, you great. didn't. It's going well. It's going, it's going well or is it going great? It's going fantastic. There we go. That's what you I just, said. Yeah, you just copied David. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's going fabulous another f word yeah i guess we'll accept it for now splendidly how about that splendidly counts that's a good one okay good vocabulary okay. my teacher yeah. asked me the other day how's it going and i just like said fantastic and he was like okay take it down a notch and i said no actually it's going fantastic because i was getting out of quarantine that day so he's like okay fine that's fair there's a, a guy i went to high school one time uh was going to talk to a pretty girl one time and in his mind he had already gone through the scenario of what was going to happen so he's like i'm gonna say hi She's going to say, how's it going? I'm going to say, very good. Like, had legitimately structured it out. Oh, I do that all the time. Line by line. <laughs> but the funny thing was, is he went up to the girl and he's like, hey, so-and-so. And she just goes, hey. And he goes, very good, very good. And, like, catches himself in the middle of it and just walks away. Just immediately oh. turns around and walks away. <laughs> it is one of my favorite stories ever. Just took guy. the L, took his losses, and it's just like, you know what? There's no recovery from this. That sucks. That's hilarious. That's when you go to the movie theater, and they're like, okay, enjoy the movie. You're like, you too. I'm like, wait a minute. You're not going in there with me. And then you kind of like quickly I run literally to like, did that. Quickly run to the theater and get away from them. I literally did that. I was at a drive-thru the other day, and he's like, he's like, enjoy your coffee. I'm like, you too. And then I was just like, just could not get out of that drive <laughs> fast enough. Just breaking land speed records on my way out of there. And I'm just like, stupid, stupid, stupid. <laughs> okay, speaking of awkward, uh, awkward scenarios, this came up at the end of the last podcast, but I just figured I wanted to ask because it's funny. Did you guys yeah. get, get the talk from your parents? Ooh. Did that happen? I I did not. I did um, not either. I didn't either. Oh, wow. There you go. Really? <laughs> yeah. All right. Wow. So that's why we're all so immature. <laughs> I always kind of wondered that of like, obviously like grew up, like my parents, like very practicing Catholic. They were like, showed us like how important the faith was. And they've like very much like helped us along the way. They're like super grateful for and super blessed. But, like that's like a very big part of growing up. And I just like, not shocked. I'm just like surprised. Like that's a big thing to leave up to the public school system. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually asked my dad that, well, like I think last year, and I was like, "Hey, well, like, why did you chuck this one up to our public schools?" Um, and yeah, and he actually like obviously they had a rhyme and reason for it, but he was just like that. He was hoping that like it was like he's like basically saying that like um, him and my mom that like they would lead by example, um, and like we would learn that way, but. That kind of, I, I was just kind of wondering, I was like, yeah, like, that's just really interesting thing of just like very intentionally just kind of like step back and be like. Yeah, I think my parents just trusted that the, the Catholic school would like do it. And then it didn't at all. Just failed so <laughs> <Okay>. miserably. <laughs> Wait, John, like, like John, on both do sides, you not know what like, sex is? <laughs> like religiously, yeah, so I. <laughs> that's actually what today's involved. podcast is, we're just having to talk with John. <laughs> yeah audible um both biologically and spiritually they failed at like conveying the necessary information for several years 
it was just pathetic. I mean, like our biology class where you're supposed to learn this. It was always like first in middle school, they like pushed it off. Like, okay, one of your student classmates is going to give the presentation on that chapter. So naturally everyone's just giggling and laughing like little, you know, school girls when you're, you know, 13 years old. And then like in high school, they're like, okay, now it's biology. We're going to watch Jason Everett videos on chastity. So there was never like a concrete time you like learned about it in science. So I was like, okay, skip that. And then like when your parents and then like the religious classes were like, sex is bad. Don't do it. It's like, okay, that's all you're going to get from that. And then your parents don't talk about it. And it's just like, all right, you kind of left your own like devices trying to figure it out through like conversations. And like, it was just like, that doesn't go well. I think my parents, you, maybe, I, think they, I think they tried one time and it was more like, I think my dad was just kind of like, do you, do you need to talk, talk about this? And I just went, no, <laughs> I think I was just like, no, I'm okay. Thanks though. <laughs> Cause I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. This is going to be too weird. But I think they also asked when I was like, not older, but after a point where I was like, I kind of already feel like I know because again, yeah. public, public school had like some like forms of teaching and also just basketball even curiosity room. and basketball yeah, <laughs> locker rooms and just all of those kinds of things. Uh, it probably wasn't good formation, but still I thought I was like, I don't really want to have that talk if I don't have to, but it yeah. is kind of funny. Like all three of us have that exact same experience. Where I think it's, like, it's more, it's more oh. common than you'd think. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I would laugh and pay money to see my dad try to give that talk. It would just be hilarious. Like nothing would come out of his mouth, but whatever. Oh, I love Fred. Yeah, I would be really interested to see how my dad would give that talk to. I feel like I just end up with like him. I feel like I just end up with like him like threatening me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just uh, kidding. We does he you. listen to this? <laughs> no, I don't think so. He's gonna get ideas. No, Dad, if if you're listening to this, no, you wouldn't threaten me. We love you. <laughs> Please don't punish me. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't threaten me. Actually. <laughs> Please don't give me the talk as a punishment as a 21 year old. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, that would be brutal. That would be a, just a cruel punishment. Oof. That would be really rough. <laughs> yeah. So this is, this comes out on the 15th, I think. Yes. The 15th. 15th. Yeah. So that means tomorrow is my mom's birthday, which is exciting. Tomorrow is in February 16th. Okay. Yeah. Making sure. Yeah, and then Ash Wednesday is on Wednesday, and then Michael's birthday is on the following Monday. So very exciting. Yes, it is. Wow. How does it feel to join the the upper echelon of adulthood, or the lower echelon of adulthood, uh, real adulthood? Feels old. Yeah. Um, 24 is, I think I said this every year ever since I turned 22, but every ba- every birthday after that just feels older. <laughs> like 24, I'm like, I'm just a there's nothing cool about being 24 like you're not in college no one really cares where you went to college either it's just kind of like where do you work or Mm -hmm. what are you doing with your life that's really the only question anyone cares about and it's like oh wait a second I actually have to start thinking about those things a lot more really like real life actually is happening I don't have the excuse of I'm in college it doesn't matter like I don't have any excuses I just have to kind of put put the pieces of the puzzle together but also I'm I'm excited though I'm not like one of those people who gets weird about birthdays, like I'm never like, oh my gosh, I don't want to turn that birthday. It's like, oh, whatever, like part of life progressing. It's cool. It'll be exciting. It'll be weird to have a birthday during quarantine. Um, but I know that's weird for every single person. So that's the only difference. Right now I'm trying to decide whether or not I'm actually going to work on that Monday or if I'm going to take the Monday off and just like have myself a day of doing nothing. Uh, nice. Still TBD. Okay. 
Your, your if you were to do the day of doing nothing, what would be like your, like, would you just actually do nothing or would you like have like preferred activities? Oh, I'd probably have preferred activities, but I don't know what those activities would be. Cause honestly, I love having a February birthday because everyone, everyone talks a lot of trash about February. Like honestly, February is constantly trashed on and for good reason for no good reasons no no good reasons um we have the birthday of george washington the birthday of michael jordan um you know don't like who abraham lincoln oh and abraham lincoln yeah i forgot abraham lincoln see countless of world leaders and important people in the world have been born in February, myself, included, my mother, obviously. <laughs> Did you just categorize Michael Jordan as a world leader? <laughs> yes, he was. Because I agree. I agree. I, oh, I, I think he was that influential that you could consider him a world leader. That's Old fair. No arguments here. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> February is, has been notoriously a very bad month for me. Just, just the worst. For like, really? Hang on. Let me count this out. Junior, senior. For the last four years, almost the same week, it has been a horrible, like the worst week of that year. Which week Each is year it? I've been like, uh, it's this upcoming week. Oh, well, we're going to make that different. We're going to have a good yeah. week this week. Yeah. yeah it's like, like mental note check in on John. <laughs> every, like, every, every time I've like, been like, that was the worst week of my life. And then the next year happens. It's like, no, that was the worst week of my life. Do you think it and reoccurs? Like so far, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Do you, do you think it reoccurs because you have like a memory with that week and like? Nope, it's something subcon- new every single time. Really? Yep. That is so frustrating, and it sucks. <laughs> like they've been like related, but it's like not like I'm sitting there thinking like, oh, this is gonna happen again. It's like nope, it just sort of happens, and it's worse. Oh. It's like what the hell. Well, hopefully, so we're hoping it doesn't happen this year. Hopefully, you have a better week this week. Yeah, I'm, I'm imagining I probably will, but good. Um, yeah, so that's fun. I have your birthday gift sitting on my on my desk. I still have yours sitting in my room as well. Are, are we just are we just waiting on this? Am I am I resending them? What's what's, what's I was waiting here? on it honestly. We're waiting on it. Okay, we're gonna. I, I don't, yeah, I was gonna wait All on right. it. See, I'm worried if I wait on it, you're going to get what I have. Oh, you think I, I might buy it myself? Maybe someone will buy it for you. I don't know. If it's a, it depends on the category of things. Religious. religious. If it's religious, I'm the only person who will buy it for myself. Okay, just don't buy anything religious in the next, you know, however many months. What about books? Can I buy books? Yeah. No. Okay. Well, I mean, like you could. I'll, I'll clear the book about you before I buy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. David, yours, just I've just decided read. on what to get you. So it will be coming. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Well, you're um, yours is sitting from last year, right in front of me. Turn the camera around. I I can't. It's set. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (laughs) um, yeah, the one you got me from last year. I uh, I still need to like I have it. I got a frame for it at Hobby Lobby because I am an artsy guy who goes to Hobby Lobby. Um, but I couldn't figure out the frame. The frame was like it was only two instructions. It took me like twenty minutes though, and I was just like. It was weird. You'd like pop something and like slide something, and it was just like really kind of. That, that's how frame. picture frames work. You pop out the back and you slide the picture. <laughs> but no, no, this was different. I swear. <laughs> but anyway, I was like, well, part of me was like, stupid John, getting you really thoughtful present. I have to figure out this frame for. <laughs> just like 
as they say, new girl, this is misdirected anger. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I realized like a lot of my gifts involve like people actually have to like do something after they get the gift, which is kind of like counterintuitive. It's like when you get the gift and it's like batteries not included and you're like, what the heck? Put the batteries in the lightsaber. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was very thoughtful though. Top gift, top tier. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Oh, you, are, I, you are a good gift giver. See, I was thinking about this actually yesterday is that if you do that, you set like you set a bar for yourself. And then the next year when you're like, okay, like I can't top that because <laughs> that was like a lot of effort. Then it's like, ah, I don't know how to get this person anymore. And then you kind of like give them something and it's like, you know, it kind of sucked. And it's like, oh crap. So I think I've, I've, it might be like once every like five years that like a really good gift shows up. That's okay. But I try to like personalize it where it's like, it's from a conversation or something mm -hmm. little where it's like easy to do. So I was trying yeah. to think of conversations. Men are so much easier than girls. Buying girls birthday gifts is freaking hard. My goodness. It is difficult. Yeah. So good luck, Michael. I concur. <laughs> I concur. Anyways, should we go to a topic? We shall. I agree. Yes. Um, this has nothing to do with anything we've been talking about. So uh, yes, well, actually does. We were just talking about Lent and Lent is coming up. Yes. Ash Wednesday. So you might be thinking to yourself, it's Lent. I need to give something up. I should give up candy or broccoli or, or whatever. Or school, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Very funny. All right. No, we are going to talk about <laughs> uh, David and Michael's new favorite word, asceticism. <laughs> I, don't have to read, I don't have to say it right now, so it's okay. No. It's time for public humiliation. It's like spelling bee time. The big A. Okay. Asceticism. Spell asceticism. asceticism. <laughs> Can you use asceticism. it in a sentence, please? Can you use it in a sentence? We were talking about asceticism. Anyway. All right. Um, so asceticism um, is derived from the Greek word. Bueller. Bueller, anyone? Asceti Greek scholars out there? Asedio. Ass. Sorry. <laughs> Good guess, David. Um, nope, it's, it's not that. It's got right that when I there. said that, I was like, I need to take that back. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is from ascesis. So you were close. You had the first syllable right. But ascesis, which means practice and exercise. So uh, asceticism is an exercise in the proper directing of one's life. So, thoughts on that? It means practice and exercise. It is the exercise in the proper directing of one's life. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna reframe it in a different way. Okay. Because I I have a general understanding of what it is, but that, that definition kind of is not confusing me. But I also want to try to frame it in a way that I understand, sure. with the practice in a way mm -hmm. that you the practice in a way that aligns or something your life can you re yeah it orders your life that orders, orders your life, life. so mm -hmm. essentially it's you're doing something and the fruit of doing that will direct you towards the proper way and, yeah the proper end of your the life. proper end of your life okay mm -hmm. okay yeah. that helps me thank you okay yeah yeah so this is a greek word so there's kind of like a uh, an aristotelian uh bent to it where like we're looking at the goal like what is Mm -hmm. What is our life? What is this thing directed towards? So my end it is God. So how do we direct our lives in accordance with God? Um, and that's like, a, that's a lifelong thing, right? Like you order your life 
all the time towards God based on your circumstances. But uh, in a particular way, I think this is important for us as we approach Lent to note because Lent is a time associated with sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a lot of people always ask, like, why, why do you give stuff up for Lent? That's a good question, actually. You know, why, why do we give stuff up for Lent? You guys ever gotten that question from anyone? Honestly, I haven't. I think most people are just like, no, ah, Mike, Michael's Catholic. Yeah, whatever. Oh, okay. Don't don't eat your chocolate or don't eat your, <laughs> don't eat your chocolate. Like, like, don't the, eat your cookies. The, the, the stuff like that is they're like, whatever. We, we yeah. get it, Michael. You're Catholic. That is okay. an interesting question, I think. Um, I know I've kind of addressed the question more myself of, you know, why do we do this? And I think as I've grown up, you know, when you're a little kid, it's like, what are you going to give up for Lent? And again, it's like, oh, I'm going to give up chocolate or I'm going to give up talking mean to my brothers or like <laughs> stuff like that you know and then as you like mature i think i had a conversation i don't even know who it was with probably two years ago of just what are you giving up for lent and what is the purpose of mm-hmm. that like are you just giving it up because are you really gonna miss it it's like oh i could just give that up because it's, it's the same thing i give up every single year like every single year i give up soda cool that's maybe good for you but really what is the what is that really getting you towards and I think for me, the biggest thing that changed my mindset with Lent was giving up things that I loved and some st- things that I didn't actually want to give up. And then two, directing the feelings that I felt when I wanted to use them or when I mm. missed them. So like if I gave up social media, mm-hmm. of like feeling that absence of it or feeling the absence of something that I desired that I thought was good yeah, and redirecting that and being like, okay, how can I relate that towards god and how can i like how can i find consolation in him through like the pain of suffering and the pain of like missing out on this perceived good yeah i think that's really good um because we want um yeah we want to give up things that will uh say this open us up to God more. It's not just about like, we have that podcast about, you know, the self-perfection thing where it's just like, it's all about my perfecting myself and Lent can become that where it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to work out more and I'm going to eat healthier and blah, 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 all these other things. It's like, okay, you just want to lose weight and look good. Nah, just because Lent happens to fall as the lead up to summer does not mean this is an excuse to like get your, you know, your beach bod ready. All right. That's not what this is for. Um, and even like um, Lent or asceticism is also like often associated with, you know, Eastern religions where there's like these really harsh penitential practices where they're like, they don't eat for like, you know, months or whatever, like you're like a pea or something. It's like, okay, we're not talking about that. Um, we're just talking about, um, there's a sacrificial dimension that we're going to talk about. Um, but it's so that we can open up a space for God. So you're saying like kind of like directing those loves and directing those feelings, um, to the Lord. So I think that's, I think that's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. David, any, any thoughts about Lent or sell, yeah. giving things up? Yeah. Um, I think one just kind of trying to take it in, but yeah, I agree. I think it can be very quickly come into like a um, like self betterment project. Um, and also kind of something that you think about. Um, I think it's important now you mentioned it to think of the purpose of Lent and so then you I think it's important to ask yourself of where you're giving up like what is the purpose um it's like where do I want to be like at the end of Lent more importantly like in my relationship with the Lord and how is this going to help me get there because ultimately that's the goal 
I think that's kind of the biggest thing. So it's like, is giving out chocolate, like, instead of just like, oh, I'm going to give it up and I'm not going to dive any deeper, actually ask them, like, when you're going through about what you want to give up, ask, how is this actually impacting you? How is this going to get you closer to the Lord? And like, how is it going to help you love the Lord more fully? Because I feel like it's really easy to not really ask like the why question, like what is the purpose? So I think that's really important. And I need to, I need to ask that question to myself for when I'm trying to figure out what, what's going to look like. But yeah, I think just like that why question is really important. And I think it's going to make Len, I think just much more meaningful in that sense of like, it's not, it's not just giving something up, but you can actually like, um, I think you're just going to get more out of it. Totally. Yeah. I mean, right. Like it's not just suffering for suffering's sake. Like, I think people have a bad, Catholics got a bad rap for that, where it's like, oh, you guys just like do these things like to do them. No, we don't. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, we do them so as to unite ourselves with the Lord. Like, pick up your cross and follow me. Um, That's a daily thing. Uh, that was a conversation I think I had with, um, yeah, it was, with, it was with Christina. She was like, there's an uncomfortability there, but it's like a daily thing you have to like do. And then it gets more comfortable when you do it. I was like, oh, that's really good. Um, so like asceticism, like we talked about the definition is a practice. It's an exercise. And like, I haven't been to the gym in God knows how long, but like when you do go, <laughs> you go like frequently and then you, you build up kind of to like a more intense level. You feel like if you're lifting or something, you know, you, you don't start with 250 pounds. You, you start lower and you like work on that for a period of time. And you're like, okay, I've gotten comfortable carrying this load. I can add more to it. I can do more. And you add the next layer on. So there's a, there's a consistency and like a practice of, um, I mean, it's suffering. Like you're, there's a tearing that's happening of your muscles. Like there's, there's suffering there. There's pain and there's sacrifice, um, being poured out in that exercise. So much in the same in the spiritual life where we have to make this a constant thing. So it's not just like, okay, 40 days are over, like wash my hands of this. And I go back to doing what I was doing right before Lent. It's like, no, like it's an invitation. I mean, Lent's a special time to like really dive into this, but it's an invitation then to continue in some way, this um, ascetical practice, which is like why the church asks us to do something on Fridays, not just at Lent, but at, on all Fridays, right? It's not just okay, like Fridays is on Lent is when I don't eat meat. It's like, okay, um, actually the church asks you to do that every Friday or to do some other penitential practices. Like I like meat, so I usually eat meat on Fridays. So I do something else every Friday. Like it's just, there's something about that that helps us to remember what the Lord did for us and that our life is not about everything here. I think that last point you just made there about how, uh, the asceticism is not just a Lenten practice that that form of giving up things of sacrificing things is not just a Lent thing. Something that's oftentimes overlooked. I think growing up and just even my friends that I have currently, or just the way that I've viewed Lent at the time has been where you go to Lent. It's like, okay, well, what am I going to give up? What am I going to give up? What am I going to give up? Oh, wait, whatever. Like I'll just give up anything. And once I'm done with Lent, like, oh, well it's over. Wash my hands clean of it. Let's move on. But an understanding that this way of life and this way of giving up things, of practicing asceticism, it's a lifelong journey. And it's actually a year-long journey. And I think it was a priest one time, he talked to me about Lent. And he was like, you know, Lent is, yeah, Lent's 40 days it is. But the mindset of Lent is never-ending. That's something that you should be constantly kind of having a one-on-one -on -one with yourself and saying, okay, what is leading me away from the Lord was leading me away from him in this relationship. What do I need to give up or what, what could I do to actually further align myself to him? 
And that's why, although it is framed in like this formality of we have the Lenten season to do it in a formal way, it's something that can be practiced throughout the entire year, uh, which actually kind of reminds me of Exodus 90. I don't know if, I know you guys are both familiar with it, but Exodus 90 obviously has a, a bunch of good stuff where they challenge people to practice asceticism in a very extreme way for 90 mm-hmm. days up until up to uh, Easter and it goes over Lent as well but that's not the only time that that's actually offered they offer it I think three times throughout the year where people can start it in the summer they can start it in the fall and so I think that also just like emphasizes the idea of it's not just a 40 day once a year activity yeah I think it's yeah um, I mean, oh go ahead David no 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 go ahead you're good I have nothing to say. Just go ahead. <laughs> nothing. No, I was just saying, yeah, Michael, I completely agree. And I think it can even be, um, I think we can sometimes think of be like, I need to do something really big and sweeping for that. But it can even just be something small. Like, um, I know even something like as small as yesterday, like I really wanted to, I had to grade a math test and I really wanted to do it in front of the TV because um, <laughs> I was watching basketball. Because yes, I am an adult. And it was just even something as small as like, you know, actually, I think I'm just going to go in the basement and I, instead of watching TV, I think I'm actually just going to like focus for an hour, get these things graded and like offer that up. And it can be something honestly as small as that. And like, we have opportunities to do that, like in our daily lives every day. Yeah. And more often than not, I feel like I, I could probably benefit from doing that more. Um, but it was kind of, it, it was almost a good like wake up call of being like and then when I was done I was really happy I was like yeah I can offer that that time up and like to um to kind of like deprive myself of something that like watching basketball isn't bad um because like, I can't deprive myself of that and then also I was thinking as well of thinking yeah my my relationship with the Lord and I was like I think if I really want to give like my full like um my full energy to the Lord and like in what I'm doing this and to do it well I want to kind of try to take that roadblock out of it. So this is a very small micro example, but just kind of to say like, yeah, you can do it all year and it doesn't have to be um, these big sweeping, Access 90 is great. It doesn't have to be these big sweeping programs that you're doing. It can be something small that you're doing like every day. Yeah. What's interesting, this, this is um, from the book I was quoting last week. Um, this statement really struck me. I was like, oh, you're kind of right. Um, so you can... Maybe this will strike you guys, but he says, um, so I think right now we're, we're kind of, um, there's a lot of things in our life, right? There's just tons of things that we can enjoy and like, and use that kind of take up our time and our mental capacity and like pull us away from other stuff that we may like to do. I know for me, it's like, I like to read. I do not read as much as I would like to, because there's other things that like, oh, there's a YouTube video I want to watch, or there's something else to do. It's like, okay. So um, there's a lot of entertainment, I guess. There's a lot of entertaining things that can kind of grab our attention. So this author says, um, the culture of death is simultaneously a culture dominated by the notion of entertainment. The very notion of entertainment presumes the state of boredom as the norm, which means that a culture increasingly fueled by this notion assumes that our lives are innately and intrinsically meaningless without the constant stream of stimulation and distraction. So basically, if we're not entertained, we assume that our life is boring. 
I think you hear people describe their lives as that all the time. It's like, what'd you totally. do today? Oh, it was, uh, it was a boring day. I didn't do anything. Exactly. Even though they're, even though they really didn't have necessarily, like, you know, what a, what do you, what constitutes a boring day? I'm not really exactly sure. But essentially, it's if I didn't do anything extravagant, or if I didn't encounter any like large amount of stimulus throughout my day, it's like, oh, I had a, a boring day. You know, I didn't do too much. Um, but I think that also comes back to like just we as a culture are just overstimulated. Everything is always at the touch of a finger. Like you just said, John, you might want to read more, but also you have a YouTube video you want to watch. Like mm-hmm. stimulus is at the, just the touch of our thumb. We can get on any social media. We can go to any site. We can watch any video. We can stream any movie, all of these things. I think this also has a much more dramatic effect on just our own self-knowledge. And I think we've talked about this before, John and you as well, David, where we overstimulate ourselves and we ignore the things that we actually truly need to sit with and grapple with. And that's where I think asceticism can actually come in in a very beautiful way. Because if we do take away some of the stimulus and we force ourselves to have the quote unquote boring day, and we just sit there with what we actually need to grapple with, we can come to actually see more fully where it is we're struggling or where it is we're thriving and in turn, we can do things in our lives to actually direct ourselves closer to God now, because now we see the picture more fully. We're not seeing this marred image. We're actually seeing everything as it should be. Yeah. And this is why asceticism is so like difficult for people to step into. It seems so scary and foreign to them is because like, I'm going to remove these things. Like you said, like these less important things, I have to name them as less important to me and say like, no, this is not important. It's not as important. It might be okay. I should say this. It might be important, but it is less important than this like higher good. And that actually means you have to order your life and identify things as more or less important. Not everything is the same, but we are just so inundated in a culture that says everything is, is of equal value. It's like, that's such a load of garbage. Um, and so you have to order it and say like, no, that's not the case. I'm gonna have to give that up. Um, but then if you do that, what am I left with? I'm left with absolute boredom and meaninglessness. And like, we, that's the culture we live in. We live in a postmodern world that says that like your life is meaningless. So yeah, this is like, this is a scary thing to do. Then I actually have to sit like with myself and my uh-huh. thoughts and I might actually like realize that I'm broken and yeah. And I think it's just a constant distraction kind of, it, it makes me think of a metaphor. This is more so like for prayer, but also can just kind of be a little bit what you were saying, Michael, that like that kind of like the reflection is like if you're looking at water um you're like you're kind of like on top of it looking down and it's clear but those like distractions that we're talking about like that constant entertainment is like hitting the water and like so like the water's moving you can't really see like the image is kind of like frayed and like the water's moving you really can't see towards like the bottom of the pool um but when you remove those distractions like the water is calmer and you can actually see towards the bottom and i know because yeah, it is kind of scary then to sit with that, like in that reflection and to actually be like, yeah, it's not, this entire life isn't just for me to be entertained. And then like one day I kick the bucket. Um, but to, yeah, to actually sit there, even in silence is something that is so underrated and to sit there and to take kind of like a look around us, of, like, where am I at? And I think like that clear pool, like that picture is going to, even sometimes lead people to the questions that ultimately is going to lead them to God. But if we don't actually have that silence, we're never actually going to ask those questions. I think all three of us have been in this position within the last like two to three years. Um, 
I, I know for myself, I've, I've had that moment where you're just like, you finally take the time to sit in that silence and to kind of look internally at the flaws, at some of the, the darkness you don't want to really address. And when you do it, it can be a very disheartening thing because all of a sudden you're like, oh my goodness, there's so much there that I don't want to deal with or I don't want to address. I don't want to audibly give life to. But in reality, I think all three of us have also experienced through those struggles and through understanding and seeing that and kind of allowing ourselves to be broken, to be broken down and to see ourselves at that granular, granular level, suddenly you have direction to move forward. You can actually progress in a more beautiful, full way, which I think is very worth it, but it's very intimidating from the outside looking in. You can't truly appreciate it until you actually just take time to surrender and actually attempt doing it. For me, it was the, I mean, just last year, the spirituality year, like having to get rid of technology and, and all that, and then being like kind of left isolated um, from everything that I'd known. It's like, okay, uh, your idols come to light very quickly. Um, and one thing I want to say about that is just when you're living that way, if you're living when everyone's got their idols, <clears throat> but like, when you're living into that uh, disordered life, not to say like you're a bad person, but just like you have your priorities mixed up. Oftentimes you're choosing goods. Um, and what happens is you, you see that as a good. And so when someone tells you like, Oh, but like, actually your life is, uh, is wrong. Like we do this all the time with, we talk about in our own little Catholic circles of these people who are on the outside and like, Oh, if they just, you know, if I just told them that like, actually your life um, isn't great um, and it could be better. They're like, the hell are you talking about? My life is fine because like they hold that as their highest good. And if it is their highest good, there's nothing that can be better. So for us to say like, Oh, it's actually like this. It's like, no, it's not. So we have to like, we have to, understand that from the get-go is like it's very this is a difficult thing to reorder your life if you are if you're holding things as the highest good and not the creator of things as the highest good um but right we cannot he says this in the book um plainly we cannot have everything at the same time we must choose must surrender one thing in order that the other can come to pass and so like yeah this this demands a, a reduction in the importance of a bunch of other things because you can't have it all, but we, we try to have everything at once. Um, and that leads to like a confusion in the, you know, if you're, we talked about this image before a little while ago, like that image of a chain in the order of like things, it gets all tangled up and knotted and tight. And then like your life becomes, uh, yeah, stressful and just, um, narrow. It's not open to newness. Something that's interesting to me too, kind of just uh, riffing off of what you're saying there and my own mindset of, you know, what is the source of all of this and kind of breaking down the the issue even further. Um, most of this, I think, comes from a deep, pervasive amount of self-love um, and not saying that love of self is a bad thing because it's a right. great thing. You should love yourself. But it's the idea of this perverse, inordinate self-love where you're putting yourself on the same level or above God. And I think that truly comes into asceticism very well because when you're giving up these things that you view as a good, you view them as a good, suddenly you're 
turning about, you're turning away from yourself and you're actually looking towards God and you start to re-level yourself. So if you are struggling with that inordinate amount of self-love, you start to practice the citizen, you start to give up these things. Suddenly, instead of being at the same level as God or you're at above God, you start to lower yourself and you start to see him in the true way of being greater, of being higher than you. And all of those things that you perceive as goods are still goods. It doesn't make them bad, but suddenly you see them in the order in which they should be seen in relation to our own self, uh, those around us, but also God. And there's effort, right? We have to like, like what you're saying, the self-love thing is, uh, yeah, it's disproportionate. It's, we love ourselves too much. And so we grow attached to comfort because of that inordinate self-love. It's like, I need to be comfortable. Then if I love myself, I, I, you know, shower myself and all these good things and we just get comfortable. So the idea that then asceticism would demand some sort of strain or uh, effort on my part uh, is, I mean, it's totally foreign. So like, but you think about this, that one of the authors gives a good example of this. Like he says, stability is not a matter of inertly standing still, like riding on a surfboard, but like on a, riding on a surfboard, it demands a lot of effort to stay up. Like, I mean, Father Chase gave this example a while ago, but like if you're trying to balance and standing on one foot, it's not like a pleasant process where you feel very comfortable and at ease. Like you're straining because you're moving one way to the other and shifting things and, you know, letting one side take more than the other at certain times. And this is what asceticism does. So it's like, no, this side's more important than that side at this, at this moment. Um, and two, it's, um, it's not like medicating things when suffering comes up right away, but it's allowing ourselves to like live in, in the midst of suffering and still be like joyful because we've united it to the cross. So I think a lot of times we think of like joy, I just want to be a joyful person experiences joy. It's like, at least in my mind, I always think of, I've thought about that for so long as that means all like pain will kind of be gone. Cause that's when I'm joyful is when I'm not experiencing pain and I'm comfortable in reality. It's like you read some of these saints and you look at the cross and you're like somehow God was joyful in the midst of that. And I don't know how, but like, that's what asceticism is offering. It says, no, don't just try to medicate yourself and get rid of the bad stuff, but like live into it um, and allow it to like be transformative. And I think it kind of goes to like what our, even what our day-to-day -day goal is. And exactly as you're saying, John, so I think sometimes our goal is like, we're just looking for um, whether it comes out of like a lot of self-love, but like we're just looking for like pleasure or just like relax and it's really hard to to kind of like withhold that from ourselves even if it's like you know I've been studying a lot I've been working I am just I want to you know take it easy I want to do something that yeah it's going to entertain me um but I think it's very easy to get our perceptions warped and then we start living for those breaks I'm not saying rest is good and like breaks are good but I've kind of something I've started to notice in my very few, in my only couple few weeks of now like getting up early and, and driving and actually going like to like teach and stuff like that. It's like, it's very easy to just be like, all right, yeah, I, the only thing that this is all pointing towards is like the break I'll get at the end of the week. And then if something happens where that break gets taken away, then I get very angry because the one thing that I had put above everything else has now been taken away. And I think that kind of speaks into a little bit of what you were saying, John, is that like, if that is the source of our joy, we can only be joyful when we're comfortable and we're feeling good. 
Yeah, I'm going to clarify something though, because that's an, it's yeah. a really interesting point. And there's a whole book on that that's really, really good. I'm probably going to write my master's on. But to a degree, that's actually what you're living for. Not the weekend or like the party or whatever, but like for the, the rest, the break. Mm-hmm. We don't live to work. We work so that we can rest. But the rest has to be properly ordered, which is what asceticism is there for. If the rest is seen as just like, now it's time to do nothing, like to not work. You're going from total work to total rest. And that's not what like, in other words, leisure, like you need to have proper leisure, which is actually an activity. So there's something active and like you're doing something, quote unquote, but it's an activity of like the soul and of the mind directed towards God. It doesn't mean like you can't do anything like physical. It's not just like, oh, I just go to pray and that's my leisure. Like, no, you can do active, like, you know, things in your life that can be good leisure, like, you know, whatever, there's a hobby or something you like to do. Um, but we do like this, we, we can't live into this because that's what the modern world tells us. Like, yeah, you just, you work and then you rest so that you can work more. It's like, no, 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 <laughs> that's not what we're made for. Um, we need to order our lives properly through asceticism and open up, like I said at the beginning, open up the space for God in those moments of rest instead of it just being like, I don't know what to do myself because I'm bored and I don't have a proper like goal in mind. Like I'm, I'm my own goal at that point. Like I'm my end. And so like when it's taken away from me, yeah, it's definitely going to be frustrating. And it still is frustrating because I think there's that tinge of saying like, no, there's something really good in that that I'm being robbed of for some other thing that isn't as important as like, the rest that I get. So like asceticism is really just a practice in right living and ordering your life properly so that like God becomes the, the true end of all that we do. Even our, our rest becomes um, that time where we can unite ourselves to him in like more quietude a, apart from these uh, lesser distractions. I think it comes down to just taking time to address that goal and to acknowledge that goal. I think oftentimes we live our lives very aimlessly of, oh, whatever. It doesn't matter what I do this weekend. Like if I don't get something done this weekend, I I can do it next weekend. All of these things, but ordering our lives in the way that we see the end goal of our life. And we, you know, if it's like you're trying to achieve any goal, you have to break it down into a process and you have to break it down step by step. You can't just wake up one day and achieve a goal. And first to actually create a process that you still have to know what that goal is. And so I think it's one just to address what that goal is. And then it can assist you when you are in those days where it is time for leisure, it's time for work, those things you can address and look to how can this be used in furthering my progress closer to my goal. But if you're just living aimlessly through without a goal, without an end in mind, it's easier to get lost, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I think going back to what you said a little while ago about like, we actually have to deal with our thoughts and like sit with ourselves. Um, I think asceticism um, can offer us that opportunity during Lent, during our whole lives, like taking time to say like, okay, maybe like for me right now, one of the things I'm doing or I'm trying to do is like an hour before bed, like my phone is down and I'm not touching it. So like, I'm not, and I'm addicted to podcasts. Like I listen to podcasts all freaking and whenever I have a chance to. So for me to like put that down and to be quiet and to not have something going on to like stir my mind, it's good stuff, but like it keeps me from being present of like, okay, how did my day actually go? Where was the Lord? Where was he not? Where was, where was I not with him? 
Um, and so like good, uh, good practice of asceticism opens us up to silence, really. I mean, it affords us an opportunity from these attractive distractions that push us away from reality and like being present to it. So like going back to what leisure is, leisure is just, it's recept receptiveness to reality of and being in silence. So like we, we put ourselves in the position to receive what is before us, whether it be from the other person, creation, the Lord in prayer, whatever that might be. But like we allow ourselves to receive and enjoy like what's, what's before us. Um, and you can't, we can't do that really. Um, if we don't have that end in mind, Michael, you're talking about like, you have to like really set yourself up for that. Definitely. And this is totally an overgeneralization. Um, but kind of what we were saying, Michael, is like you have that goal. Ultimately, like even, even the smallest of decisions are either going to take you closer or further away from that. And like I said, I know that's like a very big generalized statement, but it is kind of like, it is comforting for me to think of being like, is this going to take me closer to that or is this going to take me further away? And normally the answer is like pretty obvious. And then you're like, well, then why would I do it? And the answer is like, because I'd like to, because it feels good. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, I think that's just kind of like a, uh, a simple kind of like one, two step process. If like you're, if you're really questioning of like, oh, what am I doing? Or even if like, what am I doing in my leisure time? Yeah, there's a really, uh, that's me thinking of this. He says the, this constant effort of asceticism, which is an effort um, and like a commitment to transcend one's wishes to meet one's obligations. That is asceticism. So like we wish to do this. I like doing this thing. Right. Okay. That's, it's good. Like most of the time it's probably good. It's not like a moral evil that we're like committing. It's like, I like watching sports. I like watching movies. Like those are not bad things. Um, like, what is my obligation? If I look at my highest end, God, like, does this help me to fulfill that? In some cases it can like, absolutely. Like if you're with other people or like, um, even if it's like a, a movie that helps like you think about things or, um, I don't know, like there's plenty of opportunities for that to be the case, but like we, you, again, Michael, you're just, you're right on. Like it has to be thought through and like processed and it can't just be like, Oh, you know, like in this moment, I feel like it's good for me. It's like, yeah, okay. You're just like kind of justifying yourself probably. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'd agree with that. No, John, I swear watching 10 hours of football is good for me. <laughs> I can rationalize that. <laughs> yeah. Everyone who's today's a super bowl. Everyone who's watching like the pregame for the last three hours is find something better to do with your life. <laughs> See John and that, and that's when, you know, cause you know, like how, how much I love sports. Like I'm not even watching the, like when I was like nine years old, yeah, I was watching the pregame for like hours coming up to it. But yeah. like, even at this point, I'm like, I will be glued to my TV when it starts, but I'm sure. like, I can probably do something, something a little bit more productive. Yeah. <laughs> and Fair before enough. then, yeah, I didn't watch, I didn't watch the Super Bowl last year. Probably not going to watch it this year. I'm going to be glued to the TV year, for this so. one. Yeah. I do really want to watch yeah. it, but I just, I got to, if I can get my paper done and a presentation done, oh, yeah. I'm, I might go or do it. Well, maybe try to catch the second half. It's not due. Maybe we'll see. Last year's game wasn't that. Honestly, last year's games wasn't that good. Like you didn't really miss much, but I think this is going to, I think this is one, I think just because of like the names in it, I think this one has had been like a lot more hype than yeah. in past years. Cause yeah. you have a grandpa trying to win another Super Bowl. I'm trying, I just want to, I'm, I'm, I'm always a fan of watching the ads. So I'm yeah. just curious to see what they do. I heard a lot of brands aren't doing advertisements or they're doing something like, you know, uh, 
I don't know, without sounding mean, um, something related to like the coronavirus or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of interesting, John. I'd be, I'd be interested to hear your takes if you end up do watching the the advertising major and you um, yeah. breaking them down. But um, it'll be on YouTube probably tomorrow or something. <laughs> pet peeve of mine, and I know this is like it really shouldn't be a pet peeve, but like uh, COVID commercials of like pro- like commercials or like products. Like this has been a tough year. I'm oh, like I, I don't that. need to he- like I don't need to hear this from Windex right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I think I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of that. Oh, so much. I got to send you a video after this. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't have much else to say on, uh, on asceticism. Okay. We'll, we'll wrap it up. Yeah. Well, again, yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you everyone for listening. We'll be praying for you. Please pray for us. If you have any questions, concerns, reach out to us at thecatchcc at gmail.com. And before we go, quick words, Lent starts this week. So if you're looking for a new handy dandy rosary, check out Bishop Sheen rosaries using the link in the description and use the code catch 10 for 10% off any rosary that you purchase from them as well as check out covenant eyes if you or someone you know is struggling with pornography check out their software they have really great things that can help educate and help you uh, break the chains of addiction to those um, to those evils and I think that's all we have so until next time au revoir peace peace